have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. Sure. 
Well, good morning. How are we? Excellent, excellent. As we have so many people still milling around in the hallways coming in, we had a little bit of a backup with our kids' ministry this morning getting checked in. And so we're going to have some folk trickling in as we start. We want to go ahead and begin, though. Welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here today. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. If you are new, Thank you so much for worshiping with us here today. If you are a guest, we would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that for us is to simply text the word CONNECT to the number on the screen, 910-424-1298. Just simply text the word CONNECT to that number. We'll send you a link. Click on that. Fill out a little information just so we can know who you are and how we can minister to you. Uh, That would just be amazing. And then also, you can download our Southview Baptist Church app on iTunes or Google Play. That's going to give you all of our information, all of our journey groups. That's our small group ministry. We call them journey groups. You can find a journey group. You can give online. All of those things. Our sermon notes for the sermon we'll be having here in just a few moments. All of that's there on the app. So download the app. You'll stay connected with everything. But there are three big announcements I want you to know for today, all right? For everyone here, here are our big three announcements. And they all revolve around Easter. It is coming, and we are excited. Easter is like our Super Bowl. It's a big deal for us, yeah? We're super excited about Easter. we got a big weekend planned. First, 
Friday evening, Good Friday, April 2nd, we're going to have a worship night right here. Come here, worship with us, lift up our voices to, to glorify our risen Savior, King Jesus, and let's come together and remember what makes Good Friday so good. So that's Good Friday, April 2nd. Then on April 3rd, Saturday, we're going to come together for a big church-wide hangout fellowship picnic. Come and be a part of that. I think it's from 3 to 6. Am I making that up? That sounds exactly close. They don't tell me things. But come Saturday afternoon, and uh, we want you to sign up for that, okay? So um, everyone here, if you're planning to be a part of that in any way, you can text the word EASTER to our number, 910-424-1298. Just text, just text EASTER there, and what you're going to be able to sign up for, the dinner. You're going to be able to sign up for um, uh, uh, kids' Easter egg hunt. If you have a child, like to be part of the Easter egg hunt. You can sign up to uh, be a part of the cornhole tournament. We're going to have a cornhole tournament. You can sign up for that. Um, you can also sign up to volunteer. We also need pre-filled Easter eggs for the Easter egg hunt. We have some tables outside as you leave the sanctuary. You can bring those in over the next couple of weeks and drop those off. We would really appreciate that. But text Easter, sign up for everything on that Saturday, be a part of that. And then Sunday morning, Easter Sunday, 9, 30, and 11, we're right here worshiping Jesus. And this is where you invite your friends and family, Okay. As you leave, in just a few moments, at our welcome desk, we've got some invite cards you can grab. We're encouraging you to pray about who you can invite for Easter this year. Who you're going to bring with you, who you're going to invite, and uh, ask them to come with you to be a part of hearing the great story of Jesus Christ, who he is, how he delivers, how he saves. So that's Easter weekend, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday morning. Be a part of that. It is going to be an amazing time together as we worship the Lord. Well, speaking of worship, right now in just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to worship together. We're going to stand, we're going to sing in just a few moments um, a new song, Raise a Hallelujah. And the, the story behind the song, the, 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 the idea behind the song is even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of hardship, no matter what the situation is, good times, bad, whatever, as we praise the Lord, it's, it, it's really kind of an act of spiritual warfare, it's a way of, of when you praise, when you, when you sing, it's literally praying to music. So as we stand and as we sing, don't just read the words off the screen, but, but use these as, as words for your prayers. As you are lifting up a hallelujah to your amazing, glorious God who never leaves and never forsakes and never abandons, and he is always there. And as you lift his name up high, you're trusting him to be glorified in the midst of absolutely everything. So if you just bow your heads just for a moment, I want to pray for us. And Lord, in this room, your scriptures say that as the church, we are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And Right in this room right now, we probably have people in situations, families that fall into both of those camps. Some that are in times of great rejoicing. Some that are in times of deep sorrow. But I pray, God, wherever we stand in that, wherever we fall in those buckets, that is the place where we raise up our hallelujah. Praising you, glorifying you, lifting you up, Lord, in times of joy 
of good and in times of difficulty. So Jesus, today this is what we do. We raise our voices and we sing hallelujah because you are great and worthy of it all. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together. Good morning, church. There's a story in Scripture found in 2 Chronicles where King Jehoshaphat, who was king over Judah and Jerusalem at the time, that he received word that multiple armies were coming against him and the people were afraid. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon a prophet and God's word says this, you will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. And so what Jehoshaphat did, they prayed and then as the army assembled and as the army began to advance, he put the Levites and singers in front of them. Isn't that amazing? And they sang and they worshiped before the battle even began and they went ahead of the army and God gave them the victory and so what Pastor Brad said is, is entirely correct that through the valleys and through the mountaintops you and I are called to praise him and to glorify him to raise our hallelujahs and we're going to sing this together and we're going to sing it loud for the glory of God not for man let's sing I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My way.
Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Well, you, you may be seated. If you have a Bible, let's find together the book of Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We are working our way through the book of Acts. And to give you a quick running start as to where we find ourselves today, all right? So Jesus comes, he lives, he dies, he rises again. He tells his followers to go to Jerusalem to await the Holy Spirit coming upon them. They do. The Holy Spirit falls. They proclaim the gospel. As they do, thousands of people come to faith in Jesus. They organize a church, and then they start living out their faith on a daily basis. And as they're living out their faith on a daily basis, we saw last week Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. And as they go to the temple to pray, they see a man who's lame. They uh, ask in Jesus' name for him to be healed. He is healed. And then everything goes crazy. That's where we pick it up in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. All right? So, real quick before we jump in, here's where, where the rubber is going to meet the road for us today, okay? The, the title for the message is Boldness and the Mission. So, we're, we've been talking about the mission of God, and, and, and just like the apostles in Acts are called out on mission, we are called out on mission. And what we're going to, as we go through the book of Acts, we're seeing what we need to push forward the mission of God. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that we need boldness. We need boldness to push forward God's mission, all right? We need to be bold. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means, what it doesn't mean, what it does mean, where that comes from, how we walk in that. But we need boldness. We need boldness because there is an absolute pushback, a spiritual warfare being fought against the mission of God, being pushed forward against the gospel going out and people being saved and changed by it. We're experiencing that. As we as the body of Christ, we experience the pushback. A hundred thousand people a year are killed because they're Christians. And for us here in the United States of America, Bible-believing evangelical Christians make up about 10% of the population. We're about 10%. We're a minority group. Bible-believing evangelical Christians. Can we agree that there are things that it's completely and totally okay for you to say about Christians in public settings that you could not say about any other minority group? It's completely okay for you to say that writ large we're all a bunch of hateful bigots. Like it's completely okay for you to say that. It, and you're applauded because of your bravery to say such a thing about us. It's completely okay to think that our views and opinions need to be pushed out of public sector in life. It's completely okay for people to think that. Can you imagine that being said about any other group in our country? This is where we are. And so what we're going to need is boldness. Boldness to speak, boldness to proclaim, boldness to stand firm in the faith. How many of you today would admit, this is your first step of boldness, you ready? How many of you would admit you need more boldness? Anybody? Oh, awesome. Very good. And for those of you with your hands down, you really need to be bold because you were afraid to put your hand up. And that's where we're going to find ourselves today. So let's pick it up in Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, this is Peter and John, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Notice they were not upset that the man got healed. They were upset that they were preaching and teaching about Jesus. 
no one's going to be bothered when you serve. People are going to be mad when you start talking about Jesus. That's where the rubber's going to meet the road for us. As long as we're caring for the poor and helping orphans and, and doing those things, everyone thinks we're awesome. But the moment we say, and you go to hell without Jesus, now we're the bad guy. So, verse 3, what happened? So they came upon them as they're preaching. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So stop for a second. This is amazing. Peter and John are preaching. As they're preaching, in the middle of the sermon. So just put yourself in the spot right now. In the middle of the sermon, police break in the door, rush the stage, handcuff Peter and John and as they're dragging them out to jail Peter and John are giving the invitation and Peter and John handcuffed being walked out the door perp walked out the door or like anybody want some of this and 5,000 people run to Jesus proof what is going to cause people to come running to Christ is not us making the gospel more palatable for them the answer is not let's talk less about sex because that freaks people out let's talk let's talk less about dying to yourself because who wants to hear that let's talk less about the fact that becoming a christian means god now has sole authority of everything you say do think right, we don't let's not He's got, a good, he's got a good plan for you. He wants to give you your best life now. As Peter and John are being perp-walked to prison and thousands fall on their face to Jesus because the Spirit of God moves powerfully when we're just unapologetically open about, look, here's the deal. You've sinned against God. You. You are guilty before God. And this is a great, this is why the, it's good. This is the part of the good news. Being honest about the fact that you are jacked up is good news. Because here's, people are like, well, you just need to be more, talk more about how much God likes us. Okay, I'm with you. But here's the problem. If you know that your marriage is an absolute dumpster fire, I mean, and calling it a dumpster fire is mocking both dumpsters and fire. But our response to you is, no, 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 no. God thinks you're doing a great job. Isn't that more damning? Don't you walk away even more crushed? Isn't it better to say, yes, you know what, the truth is this. You are a pervert. You are sexually immoral. You blow up and explode in anger. You can't have a 30-second conversation with your children without losing your stuff. You've got issues. But God desires to pardon you from that sin, redeem you from that sin, and make you brand new. Don't you want that? That's what these people heard. They heard, you killed God's son. But he desires to forgive you and make you new. You want that? 
and thousands come rushing, even if it means they're the next ones being walked out the door in handcuffs. This is why we proclaim the gospel that we do. So then it picks up, verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were in the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power and by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, again, he keeps saying that, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He's looking at the people who just threw him in jail. And they're like, hey, listen, you're going to need to quit this. He's like, oh, really? Should I? Let's, let's, let's do a little math problem here. You tried to kill Jesus, and that didn't work out so well. So now you're threatening to kill me? I don't think you're very good at it. No. Jesus is God. And there's salvation in no other name except his. Verse 13, this is one of the coolest verses in all the book of Acts. When they saw the, what's the word? Boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men. They were astonished. Peter and John were not head of the class. All right? They now, this doesn't mean that they were illig- illiterate bumpkins, okay? But what it means is this. They weren't the elites. They weren't the most well-educated. They weren't the ones that everyone came flocking to. If you thought this is someone who's going to stand and boldly proclaim truth and everyone be amazed by the, by, by the power that's coming from them, these are not the guys you pick. I'm so excited that God is not trying to find superstars to help him sell toothpaste. He's not in the ad business. He wants uneducated and common people who do what? The second part of verse 13. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Underline that. We're going to come back to it. But seeing the man who was healed standing before them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Yeah, That's kind of hard. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported 
what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, or excuse me, who you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. But now look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all, what's the word? Boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your na- the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Boldness, right? So this is our big push for today. What does it mean to be bold? So what does it not mean to be bold? Boldness does not mean that uh, you... Don't care what people think about you. Right? That's not boldness. Some people are like, oh, that person's so bold. They don't care if people like them or not. Let me submit. If you're the person that says, I don't care if people like me, no one likes you. Right? If you're the I don't need people to like me guy, don't worry, bro. No one does. Okay? Wanting people to like you isn't bad. Unless... It hinders you from actually living out your Christian conviction. That's when it's a problem. Wanting to be friendly, wanting to be kind, wanting to be liked, that's perfectly well and good and right. Unless that desire now hinders your ability to stand firm in tough spots. I'll read a scripture to you. It's not on the screen, but I'll just read it to you. Proverbs 29, 25 says... The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The fear of man lays a snare. It's a trap. The fear of man, desiring what they think about you, concerned about what they think about you, longing about what they think about you, making sure that they think well of you. It's a trap. And when you do that, you ultimately make them God of your life. Doing what you think is going to make them Pleased and happy with you. So, so we can't not be friendly for the sake of being bold. But being bold doesn't mean that you know we just don't care. Being bold also isn't a personality trait, right? I see this a lot. Like, I wish I was bold, I'm just more shy. Right? Boldness is not a personality trait. Extrovert is not the same as spiritually bold. Being a people person. Being outgoing, liking talking to people, that is not necessarily the same thing as being bold. All right? I've met extroverts who weren't actually spiritually bold, and I made introverts who are extremely spiritually bold. Right? So it's not a personality thing. So what is boldness? So three different times in this chapter we saw the word bold, right? We saw it in verse 13, verse 29, verse 31. So what does boldness mean? So the Greek word bold is uh, parousia. Uh, it, and it literally means a, a spirit-empowered courage and confidence to speak even when there may be pushback. Right? It's a spirit-empowered courage and confidence to speak 
even when there may be some pushback. So where does boldness come from? Here's our big idea. Spirit-empowered boldness comes from intimacy with Jesus. And you see this in the text. Spirit-empowered boldness, again, not a personality trait, not being I don't care what people think guy, but actual spirit-empowered boldness comes from time and intimacy and relationship with Jesus. You see this playing out. Again, verse 13, we saw, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What empowered Peter and John to walk in boldness was their relationship with Jesus. You see it again in verse 29. So after all of this happens and they're released and they go to their friends and they gather together, what do they do? They pray, verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They immediately went to intimacy with the Lord. They immediately went to pray. And you see what happens as a result, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness spirit empowered boldness comes from intimacy with jesus all right it comes from that and that alone intimacy with christ so think about it kind of like this so i don't i don't know if it's a good analogy it came to me this morning as i was in prayer so if it's not a good analogy come back next week i'm about 50 50 so think of boldness as almost a boldness is a baby that is conceived through intimacy with jesus Uh, you're not the boldness virgin mary you're not just going to randomly one day have boldness come bubbling up out of you out of nowhere that is not the consistent way in which god does this boldness comes out of you through intimacy with jesus having that boldness placed in you Look at this scripture. We'll throw it up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So intimacy with Jesus is what changes you. And it changes you from the inside out. The reason many of us struggle in boldness and then are condemning ourselves when we don't feel like we're walking in boldness is because we're trying to manipulate our actions. We're trying to make ourselves externally bold. And that's not the way it works. It starts inside and goes out. This is the way all of Christianity works. It's inside out. Inside out. Jesus repeatedly said in the Gospels, it is not what comes... Uh, What you put in it that defiles you is what coming out that defiles you. What he means is it's your heart. If your heart is right, your hands will follow. What absolutely has destroyed American Christianity is we've created wonderful ways for you to try to make sure your hands don't do bad things and you completely ignored your heart. If the heart is right, the hands will follow. And if you're pursuing intimacy with Jesus on a personal level in your heart, boldness will come out. 
So how do we do this? Again, 2 Corinthians 3.18. This says that we're being transformed not by improving our behavior, right? That's not what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. We're not transformed by improving our behavior, watching our hands. We're being transformed by beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding the glory of the Lord means to, to spend time with Him, to engage with Him. How do we behold Him? How do we, as we're beholding, we're being transformed and changed. So what does this look like? How does this play out for us? Think about a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. So when a caterpillar is born, it is born already with the life of a butterfly in it. Right? The caterpillar doesn't have to put on butterfly wings, a little butterfly costume, try its best to, to make itself into a butterfly. What does the caterpillar do? All the caterpillar does is eat. Crawl around and eat leaves. And as the caterpillar eats and nourishes its body over and over, day after day after day, eventually what happens is this, a cocoon is formed. Over time, the body begins to change, and boom, a butterfly comes out. All the caterpillar is responsible for is taking in the proper nutrients, and what's already inside it as a butterfly starts to emerge. The same is true spiritually. You spend time with intimacy and in intimacy with Jesus, feeding on Christ, feeding on Christ, feeding on Christ. When you when you're literally, it's the same. Uh, idea when you're saved we use the term born again and as you're born again the life of God is placed inside of you and how that comes out of you is as you're over time intimacy with Jesus intimacy with Jesus feeding on Christ feeding on Christ feeding on Christ this life of God starts to flow up out of you and part of that being boldness feasting on Jesus in the Gospel of John, verse 6, Jesus says that he is the real food and he is the real drink. And whoever feasts and drinks on him will never hunger and thirst again. As you spend time with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus, feasting on Jesus, just like the disciples, spending time with Christ, boldness, transformation, life change begins to take place in you. So, if spirit-empowered boldness comes from intimacy with Jesus, then let's look at the opposite just for a minute, just kind of solidify this. Then flesh-driven fear comes from not having intimacy with Jesus. That makes sense, right? If spirit-empowered boldness comes from intimacy with Jesus, then flesh-driven fear comes from not having intimacy with Jesus. Right? So we're all eating and drinking from somewhere. All of us, every one of us, we all eat and drink something spiritually. And as we eat and drink and feast on this world, fear and anxiety and dread and worry and hatred and anger and bitterness and division is going to well up inside of you. We all eat and drink somewhere. We're all intimate somewhere. You can either be intimate with Jesus and have his life be transformed in you and have boldness come out, or you can drink Eat, feast on this world, be intimate with this world, long for this world, and have fear and dread and anxiety and worry come out. And you get to kind of do a little self-diagnosis. So if you wake up in the morning and you're putting on your clothes to go to work and you realize clothes you used to wear are a little snug, right? Maybe you're not as healthy as you were previously. What is one of the first things you look at? What am I eating? What's my diet? 
I need to change what I'm eating. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Same thing spiritually. If you see dread, fear, anxiety, worry, angerness, bitterness come to well up out of you, start to look at what you're feeding on. Is it this world or is it Christ? As you're intimate with Jesus, as you long for Jesus, as you spend time with Jesus, as you're doing this, again, change begins to take place in your heart and you're made new. Spirit-empowered boldness comes from intimacy with Jesus. So let's do this. Let's, let's jump back in the scriptures, go down to verse 23, and let's take a look just for a moment at their prayer specifically. So Peter and John, they're preaching, they get arrested, they're before the religious leaders. You guys need to stop talking about Jesus. Not, it's a hard pass for us, we're going to keep doing it. So they immediately leave, go to their friends, and what's the first thing they do? Pray. This is awesome. They pray. The very first thing they do is pray. The very first thing, they're, they're met with hardship. They're met with difficulty. They're met with pain. They're met with adversity. And the first thing they do is get with their friends and pray. They don't get with their friends and complain or bicker or gripe or, or, or develop um, uh, an election campaign strategy to get those rulers out of office and some new ones in. They prayed. Prayer is the air you breathe as a Christian. It's just what you should be doing. It just flows naturally. So what do they pray? Look at verse 23. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of, your fa- of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So here's what I want to do. I want us to unpack just for a moment a few ideas about their prayer. All right. So we see what they prayed, what is their prayer of faith, and we want to see how we can apply that to our life. All right. So they immediately went to Jesus in prayer. So for us, as we go to him in prayer, asking for boldness, seeking boldness, needing boldness, what does that look like for us? All right. So one is this. As the believers prayed for, uh, uh, by faith, they trusted God's sovereignty. Look again, in, in verse 24, they call uh, God is starting to pray, Sovereign Lord. In verse 28, as we're talking about everything that happened, it says um, uh, God did whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They immediately turned to the sovereignty of God. Can we just be honest just for a second? And I know we're in church and this is no place to be honest, but let's give it a shot. 
Christians typically look more favorably on God's sovereignty when things are going most positively in their lives. Is that making sense? Like when things are going well, man, we're all about the sovereignty of God. Wow, life is really good for you. Praise God, man, it's just his hand on us. We're just, he's just being so gracious to us. Like we love, but what happens when it's not good? What happens when it's really hard? What happens when we're met with difficulty and pain and hardship? Perhaps persecution? And those times, trusting in the sovereignty of God is pivotal. And so let's just think about the, the, the boldness aspect. So there's an opportunity set in front of you to speak the truth of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, I don't know if you've ever been there, but at that moment, you're, you're, it's in front of you, you see it, right? It's like the softball coming lodged at you. And, and so it's coming so slow. Like, oh, there it is. And a thousand things are rushing. Maybe not for you. Maybe you're awesome. But for me, like a thousand things are going through my mind. Right? You don't know, like, you're, you're half excited and half want to throw up, and you don't really know what you want to do first. Your palms get a little sweaty. You get nervous. What if they think this? What if they say this? So all this is going. At that moment, being able to rest in the sovereignty of God is powerful because you're able to say, regardless of how this conversation goes in the next 30 seconds, whether it's really, really positive or really, really not positive, God is in total control. Just going to trust him. That's exactly where they were. They were just trusting God. Whatever it looked like, whatever happened, I'm just going to trust the Lord with this one. As we step out in boldness, we're going to be met with increasing opportunities to just trust God for what comes next. That's exactly The very first thing they prayed was God's sovereignty. Right? Peter and John just were threatened. If you keep doing this, we're going to kill you. It's the first thing they do. I thank you, sovereign God, that you are in control of all things, including them. So I just trust you. It's amazing. Second, they were driven by truth. So, so after they immediately start praising God for his sovereignty, they immediately start quoting scripture. That's Psalm 2. They're in uh, verse 25. They're quoting Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2. They're driven by the truth of God's word. What is going to stop us from being bold is when we're driven by our feelings rather than the truth of God's word. Your your feelings and your concern about your feelings are going to stop you from stepping out in situations and being bold. And feelings are not a bad thing. God created them. God gave them to us. But they are, they are a horrible engine and a great caboose. Right? If it's what drives you, it's very likely you're not going to be bold often. You're not going to step out because there are going to be a thousand emotions, feelings going on, and you're not going to know which one to do. Remember, Jesus said in the Gospel of John, not you will feel the truth and the truth will set you free, but you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
in Ephesians chapter 3, he doesn't say, and you will feel the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. He says, you'll know the love of God that surpasses all understanding and knowledge. It is not about what you feel. It is not about do you feel God? Do you know that he is there? Do you feel bold right now? Do you know that God, as you step out, is going to empower you to be bold? They were driven by the truth of God's word, not their feelings in the situation. And just imagine, Peter and John, the rest of the the disciples, they're sitting in a room right now, and they're not just looking at, Peter and John aren't just looking at the other guys that signed on with them three years previously. He's not just looking at Andrew and Philip and Matthew. They're looking at their wives. They're looking at their children. They're looking at their mothers. Can you imagine the feelings he just was told if you keep doing this we will kill you and everyone you care about it says there earlier that they were threatened with many other threats i don't think that was we're going to give you another tongue lashing like we're 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 going to give you a bad review on yelp If they were driven by their feelings and their emotions, how easy would it have been for them to look around the room at all those faces that they love so dearly and say, you know what, guys, I've been thinking, maybe we should rethink our strategy. Peter's like, you know what, the more I think about it, maybe that whole you kill Jesus thing is not playing well. Let's, let's back that down. But they didn't do that. Why? Because they weren't driven by their feelings or their emotion. They were driven by the truth of God's word. And because they were driven by the truth of God's word, they were empowered to be bold. Third, they had faith for boldness before they ever received it. I love this. Verse Verses 29 and 30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grants to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They are, tra- they are asking God for boldness and believing by faith that he's going to give it even when they haven't received it yet. They don't get that till verse 31 when the Spirit of God fills them and the place gets shaken. And we'll chat about that in just a moment. But they are stepping out by faith, believing that God is going to give the boldness, even when at that moment, again, they maybe don't feel it. If we wait until we feel bold, we'll never feel bold. But if we believe by faith that God's going God's to do that, like I'm going to step out and God's going to empower that, man, God's going to bless. And then last is this, they were completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Again, it says they were filled, so let's chat just for a moment. We do, we're going to have to do this a lot through Acts because we're going to see this a lot through Acts. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 says that salvation, you are sealed up with the Holy Spirit. You are given the Holy Spirit of salvation. You're given the fullness of the Holy Spirit of salvation. You don't receive some second blessing down the road. You have all of the Spirit of God at salvation. And there's this other thing. And you see it repeatedly in the book of Acts. You see it here. Where the believers of God are being filled up with the Holy Spirit. And that is empowering them to step out here with boldness. We must... The reason I 
have for so many times not been bold when I should be bold is because I'm living out that day empowered in my own strength and not empowered by the Spirit of God. I'm trying to do it in my own flesh. We are to be filled up. You have the Holy Spirit, but there is this feeling, there's this empowering, feeling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G, it's empowering of the Holy Spirit that allows you to step out in powerful boldness. Do you seek the Lord for a continual filling of His Holy Spirit? I would encourage you to do so. When you bought your car and you pulled off the lot and it had a full tank of gas, you're like, never have to get gas again. Get that off the to-do list. No, you, you still have to fill up your car. Right? In the same way, we must be continually filled up with the Holy Spirit. And think about this. So when you go on a trip, you've got to fill up your car to get on a trip, to go on a trip. And then you have to fill up your car again to go on the next trip. And then you fill up your car again to go on the next trip. We must be filled up with the Holy Spirit to move forward in the mission for the gospel. And as we're filled up with the Holy Spirit to be bold in a situation, we've got to be filled up with the Holy Spirit to be bold in the next situation. And then the next one. And then the next one, are you consistently, constantly seeking the Lord for a filling of the Holy Spirit? They were filled up and empowered with the Spirit of God, and that is what enabled them to continue to speak the Word of God with all boldness. I'm going to ask our band to come up. And, and as they do, here's what I want us to do, okay? Um, so when Peter and John left the religious leaders, they went to their friends, and then they had a corporate prayer gathering. They got in a group together, and they prayed. And one of the things that we seek to do every single week is spend time together praying corporately. And I think it's perfect in this situation, that's exactly what we do, in that this guides us in how we pray. So as we think about how they prayed, how they praise God for his sovereignty. How they quoted and meditated on God's word so that the truth of God's word drove them and not what they felt about a curtain situation. The fact that they believed by faith that God was going to grant them boldness when they needed it. And the fact that they consistently sought to be filled up with the Holy Spirit of God so that they can keep walking out that boldness day in and day out. That's exactly what we need to be praying today. So I want to encourage you to bow your heads just for a moment. And that's what I want us to do. I'm going to read again their prayer. It said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. 
For truly in this city they, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grants to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So this morning, right now, praise God for his sovereignty. Sovereignty means that God is in total control of all things. That does not mean that he delights in sin or leads people to sin or any of that, but he's, he's still in total control of the entire universe. And you can trust him no matter what happens, no matter where that step of bold faith takes you. God's in control of that. God, we thank you for your sovereignty. We thank you that we trust you in this. We thank you, God, that you... are in control of all things. The conversations that are going to go really, really well, that's because you are guiding that. And the conversations that go really, really bad, you're in control of that. And we trust you with whatever happens as a result. And we're driven by the truth of God's word. Are you driven by the truth of God's word? Or are you driven more by feeling and emotion and circumstance and situation and what's happening? God, we are always going to run away from boldness if our eyes are on the circumstance, the situation, and how that makes us feel. I pray that we would be people who are bold because we are standing firm on your word, and that is what drives us. as you're trusting God and his sovereignty and as you're standing on the truth of God's word as your foundation, right now, right where you are, proclaim to God by faith that you believe he's going to empower you with boldness when that time comes and you step out. Even if you don't feel bold right now, don't worry. You believe by faith that he's going to empower you with boldness when that opportunity comes and you step out by faith to walk in. Right now, confess that to the Lord. You trust him for then last, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up fresh. Do you believe that you truly cannot walk through this life apart from Him? Do you truly believe that apart from Him, John 15, 5, you really can do nothing? Do you really believe that in your own flesh, you are going to crash and burn? You need the Spirit of God moving powerfully in and through you. If you believe that is so, ask Him today to fill you fresh and empower you for this.
And ultimately, we're going to be bold because we believe we have something to be bold for. We have something worthy of being bold about. And this is our glorious, amazing King and Savior, Jesus Christ. The reason you're going to be bold is not because you have a personality that is bold. The reason you're going to be bold is not because you couldn't care less what people think about you. The reason you're going to be bold is because you are so in love with Jesus Christ, you can't help but talk about Him more. And we're going to grow more and more in love with Jesus as 2 Corinthians 3.18. We are beholding Him, His glory, His majesty, His power, His worth. We're transformed more and more and more into his image. So we're going to end our time here today singing loud about who Jesus is. And as we sing loud about who Jesus is, we believe the Spirit of God fills us, empowers us, and, 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 and allows us to walk out in boldness because we love, adore, treasure Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to do this today. Jesus, we lift you high. Father God, thank you for being sovereign ruler of all things. Empower us today as we worship. In your name, Jesus, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship Jesus together.
with him we where we, we we delight in him on a greater level this is where again we're beholding him and we're being transformed boldness comes from intimacy and I want to encourage you to seek after the Lord in that if you need help with that you can come talk with me I can walk you through that what that could look like for you personally but this is where it comes from and maybe your first step of boldness is going to be inviting someone to Easter you can again go to the welcome desk in the back get some cards maybe that's your first step of bold faith in the Lord Lord Jesus we thank you we thank you that you 
change us from the inside out. I thank you that you changed me from the inside out. I tried for so many years to change my hands and fix my hands and fix my eyes and fix what I do and fix what I... I thank you, Lord God, that you... You took care of all that by changing me from the inside first. So I pray, Lord, that we would seek after you, beholding you, treasuring you, pursuing intimacy with you, and then you're going to change us from the inside out so that the life of God that's been placed in us at salvation is going to come bursting forth in glorious light. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Have a great week.